2: Thank you very much for having me, Cheryl.
0: Wow, this is pretty exciting. Um, I'm going to introduce you um, for those of you, for those of the readers out there or the listeners that don't know who you are, because there's a really, it's a big career here, but it's your first time fiction writing, isn't it? It is, yes. It is. Okay, Felicity is a journalist, a ghost writer, and the author of several books for adults. Her latest non-fiction book, Body Lengths, was co-written with uh, Olympian Liesel Jones. Oh, I remember that book. Oh, do you? I do. Oh, lovely. Yeah, Liesel's a a lovely person. Did you enjoy that? I did. She's fabulous, isn't she? We had a lot of fun. Yeah, she's really fabulous. Um, And uh, with that book, um, uh, Felicity won the 2016 Arbia Reader's Choice award. And it was also named Apple's Best Book, um, Biography of 2015. Felicity's debut, and this is why she's here today, to talk about The Van Apfel Girls Are Gone. It's a compulsive, haunting novel perfect for fans of The Virgin Suicides and Picnic at Hanging Rock. It certainly had a Picnic at Hanging Rock feeling oh, good. for me. Yes. Good. Uh, part mystery, part coming of age. Uh, It begins in the long, hot summer of 1992 and has a shimmering, unexplained mystery at its heart. Um, So I would imagine that with all this writing, um, to go from what you've written and to come to fiction must be a difficult step. Was it difficult or was it that you'd always felt that you had a fiction story in you to tell?
2: It was less that I always felt like I had a story to tell and more that I just really enjoy writing. Uh, I love the process. I get a lot out of it. Um, And I find that ghostwriting nonfiction, is not that vastly different to writing fiction. Um, certainly, when you're ghostwriting with somebody, the process is very different because ghostwriting is all about collaboration. So, for instance, when I ghostwrote Body Links with Liesl, we very quickly discovered that we did all our best work over food So we went out for lunches or Liesl came to my house and we sat at the table with a big plate of cheese and I'd just leave the dictaphone on the table and we'd have a good chat uh, and that was how the book got written, really. So, in that sense, fiction was starkly solitary. Uh, so, that was a big difference. But I want to talk
0: about that in terms of ghostwriting. Uh, and sorry to interrupt because I've okay. asked you a question and now I'm not going to let you finish it. But <laughs> I want right. it, sometimes when I, and I've read many books that have been ghostwritten, and very, I've met many, I've read many books that have been ghostwritten by the same ghostwriter, but they are completely different books with a completely different voice. And I could swear that it wasn't the same writer. I mean, that is really a very, very uh, great technique to have. Yeah, it's good training. Uh,
2: and that's why I think in many ways, it's good training for fiction because you are writing in somebody else's voice. Tika Malloy in the Van Apfel Girls are gone who narrates it. That's not my voice. That's the voice of an 11-year-old girl. So you are in the same way that when you're ghostwriting you're putting on somebody else's voice. Uh, writing fiction you're putting on someone else's voice. And Liesl Jones's mum came up to me at the book launch that night, put her arm around me and said, oh, it just sounds like my Liesl. See? Which is the biggest compliment. It if, is. if somebody's mum thinks it sounds like them, yeah. that's great. That's what all you're trying to do. Yeah.
0: So is it – I want to talk about this again because it, – it, you often read fiction novels, you know, uh, Melina Marquetta, for instance, who we just yes. had in today. Who both, I met on the way in here and had such a fangirl moment. Yeah, I, I look, you know, I think she's extraordinary. But she has definitely got a voice in her fiction. You know, you read it, you know you're reading Melina Marquetta. Yes. You know the characters very much. You know where there's a warmth and a community and a sense of place and so much around it. Does that come through writing style? Yes, I think it does. I think it does. And everything from word
2: choice to the dialogue that the characters use and their movements
0: and the way that they look at the world, that all helps to form character and voice. So when you're ghostwriting then, it's almost counterintuitive to your style, isn't it? That's right, yes. Yes, you leave yourself at the door. I think um, Malcolm Knox, a
2: fabulous ghostwriter and journalist, um, says you put on the invisibility cloak and you leave yourself at the door and you become somebody else and you all sorts of things you notice their mannerisms and you know do they flick their hair or do they have a certain expression on their face and all those things you try to convey as well when you're conveying their sense of self it's like being an actor it is similar in a way yeah yeah Yeah, i hadn't thought of it like that but yeah it's very true yeah
0: so tell me about the tell me about you Tell me, where did you grow up? How did you come to writing? Uh, I grew up in Sydney, uh, in a very
2: tiny suburb, on sort of a, a bush fringe suburb in Sydney, and I always loved reading. So I guess I came to writing through
0: reading. I was I always had my nose in a book as a kid. You know, there's not one author who has not told me that. That's yeah, everybody. Uh, Comes to writing through reading, and I guess that makes sense, doesn't it? That's right. Yeah. 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 Okay. So you've always had your nose
2: in a book. Yes, and I never thought about being a writer as a career because that wasn't a career that I knew. I didn't know any writers. I didn't know you could grow up and write novels as a career.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, but I always wrote just for myself as a kid and. I studied literature at university and loved it and um, worked as a journalist for a long, long time, a freelance journalist. Tell me about that. Uh, So I did all sorts of things. There was nothing I wouldn't write when I was a journalist. So I would pitch for all sorts of things I wrote for the Big Issue magazine, which is a great one, uh, the Daily Telegraph, the Courier Mail, Bookseller and Publisher, uh, Home Magazine, I got a great gig at the Telegraph for a couple of years. I was doing their books pages. Oh, wow. Which was a lot of fun. So each week I got to interview a different author and I spoke to Irvine Welsh and Linda LaPlante and Lee Child and Joanna Trollope and. Do you learn from that? I, yeah, when I can get past uh, gushing over these, talking to these heroes, uh, yeah, yeah, you do. And like you say, the biggest thing that came through was they were all readers. Whenever you, you talk to these authors, their starting point so often is reading. Um, so that was great fun. I really enjoyed that one. That just one. seems
0: like the perfect job for you, actually. It was good fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so you have, you've had a career of writing. Um, and, you know, journalism is very different because it's short form, isn't it? It is short form, yes. Yeah, Yeah. Um, and to apply that to a novel. um, I know a lot of journalists are doing that these days, but that Trent Dalton for one. Yes,
2: someone who's doing it quite well, hasn't he? (laughs) Boy Swallows Universe, we love it. Spectacular. I met Trent. um, We were presenting at a bookseller conference in Tasmania together last year and I didn't meet him until we were on stage. And so he sat down and described for this audience Boy Swallows Universe and how it related to his own life story. And I was nearly in tears on stage. And then I had to go next and I said, what a dirty
0: trick. I didn't even, what an amazing story I had to follow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, um, that's been an amazing success story and so well deserved. Absolutely. Um, and we've got the same hopes for your book. We've uh, got the same publisher. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so. are you with Catherine Mill? I am. Oh, we love her. Yes. Yeah, she's fabulous, isn't she? Oh, yeah, absolutely extraordinary. Um, okay, all right. So, when is it then that you, so tell me, Tell me a bit more about ghostwriting and then we'll move on to fiction. So Liesl Jones was one. Who else have you ghostwritten? Ah, but I can't tell you, Cheryl. I'm not I'm contractually obliged to take it to the grave. No, that's okay. That's why I don't have it in my (laughs) notes. And I'm thinking, why haven't they told me what that is? Um, Isn't that interesting that people don't want that to be known? But that's okay. That's fine. Do you know Uh, a really good way to be able to tell who's ghostwritten
2: a book? If ever you see a book in a bookshop and you think, that's so funny. I didn't know that person wrote. If you look in the back in the acknowledgements, it will say something obtuse, like, thank you to Cheryl Arkell for the words or something like that. And you think, oh, there's your ghostwriter.
0: Okay. So was, well, actually it's probably good that you can't say, but was there anybody that you wrote about? So were they mainly biographies? Yes. Mostly
2: memoirs and biographies. Um, yeah, a whole range of things. Um, business
0: through to, you know, amazing medical. Right. Yeah. And was there anyone, and I think this is interesting, was there anyone that, um, you met that you didn't like and then how do you, or that you over liked, you know what I mean? How does the bias not come in? That's interesting. That's a really good question. Uh, so the process,
2: certainly in my experience, and I think everybody's ghostwriting experience is probably different. um, But in my experience, I have always met with the person whose book I'm going to be writing. um, And we've gone out for a coffee or sat down together and just had a really good chat. And that is, that's a two way thing that's going on there is you are sussing them out to think, can I work with you for the next nine, 12 months, And can you work with me? Because Mm. it's such a close relationship. You need to, even if you're not similar people, you need to be able to get on Mm. and work well together. And yeah, I have only had good experiences ghostwriting, but I know, you know, there are people out there that haven't.
0: Mm. Um, So yeah, you need to be able to get on. Yeah, you do. Because I think that's really interesting because you wonder how you can keep the bias out. Um, We, um, I know Michael Robotham. Ah yeah. And as you know, he's a ghostwriter. That's all right. Um and he um who was most famously the, the um the illustrator that was up for sexual harassment? The Australian guy living in London. Anyway, his name escapes me. Um big guy that's just gone to prison. And I you know, I've spoken to Michael about it and he said Rolf Harris. Rolf Harris. Nice. Right. Rolf Harris, he said that he, you know, he spent so much time with, he would never have picked it.
1: Yeah,
0: it's interesting, isn't it? It is interesting. Yeah, and and he would have spent, you know, an enormous amount of time. Um, but yeah, very interesting. But I, what I think is most interesting is that he wrote Jerry Halliwell's.
2: I was going to say that. That's hilarious, isn't it? Yeah. And did you know that apparently at the time that there were rumours about who was Jerry Halliwell's Spice Girl dating, and. Michael Robotham was seen coming in and out of her house all the time by the paparazzi, (laughs) and I think eyebrows were raised until Ah. it was revealed
0: he was the ghostwriter and not the love interest. Oh, I did not know that. But isn't that interesting interesting for a male of,
3: uh, you know, I don't know how. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.
0: old he was at the time, Yeah, writing in a young girl's voice. Yeah, that's really interesting, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it? it's an amazing craft. I think it's really amazing. And I think that, um, that like editors, I think ghostwriters don't get enough, I don't know, recognition. Hmm. Hmm. It is, because it's a skill. Okay, all right, now we're going to move on to fiction. Talk Lovely. to me about that. How Lovely. did that happen? Uh,
2: well, the impetus for writing The Van At Girls Are Gone really... The Responsibility Lies with Brian Brown, the actor, Ah. uh, because this book came about uh, as the result of a Sydney Writers' Festival panel that I attended back in 2016 and the panel was hosted by Brian Brown at the Brian... That's not bad. It's not bad at all, not bad. Um, So it's hosted at the theatre in Bankstown that's named after him. And it was this wonderful panel for emerging writers about um, creativity and place. So how had the you know, geography of your childhood shaped your creative process? How did landscape affect your writing? Which a great topic, really good topic. And I was on this fabulous panel with, you know, um, the playwright Nakia Louie and Zoe Norton Lodge, the wonderful writer, all these great people. Except, of course, I was a ghostwriter, so I couldn't talk about any of the things that I had written, and also my place, my childhood landscape had necessarily not ever made its way onto the page. That's, that's how ghostwriting works. Yeah, absolutely. So, Unless they lived in your house. That's exactly right. <laughs> so I was really, um, yeah, I was backed into a corner a little, and I was desperate for something to talk about on this very clever panel. So I, this is audacious, but really I was desperate. I stood up and read a piece of writing that I loosely termed a novel that I was working on. It was my work in progress and it was very loosely based on the geography of my childhood, the suburbs I grew up in. And of course, it was an excerpt from what is now The Van Atford Girls Are Gone. And I thought I'd got away with it, Cheryl, until at the end of the panel, they had question time and Brian Brown was the first person on his feet in the front row and he had some questions. What was the name of my novel he wanted to know and what happened next? And of course I had to say that's a really good question Brian
0: because
2: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. So I went home and I got to work uh, and I you know over several and had weeks- you thought about writing a novel at some point? I had a vague idea that yes, that was something I should have a go at, but I certainly had no clear plans to do so. Um, And then when it was, my novel was launched last week, by Sasha Haller, the actress, oh, wow. the wonderful from Offspring. Yeah, and, I know her. And she said to me, oh, I've got a surprise for you. So we were sitting at this launch in front of all these people. And at the end of the night, she said, now I've got something Felicity doesn't know about this. And she reached into her bra and pulled out this note she had tucked in there, as only Sasha Haller could get away <laughs> with. And it was a note from Brian Brown Aww. saying that he read my book and he loved it. And oh, wow. he is just such a you know, wonderful, wonderful person and,
0: you know, he didn't know. I'm often uh, impressed with writers, particularly the camaraderie and the support amongst each other. Absolutely. That's a really beautiful thing. You know, that's a nice story.
2: And what a wonderful thing to do. He didn't know me from a bar of soap and he really supported me and, you know, just... Showed an interest, and that was enough.
0: Yeah. And you know what? I really love people, um, famous people particularly, who practice what they preach. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, That's really nice. Okay. So tell me um, how you got to the novel, though. Okay. You've got the idea. You've been told by Brian Brown that there's a novel there. Yes. Get on with it. Easier said than done, isn't it? That's right. Yeah.
2: Uh, Yeah. So because I was, um, writing, still doing journalism work and ghostwriting. And um, the hours that I found worked best for me for writing the novel was 5am till 7am.
3: Yeah,
2: wow. Yeah, which is, I'm not naturally a morning person. So that was, that took some work. Um, wow. So I would, I'd get up and write, work on the novel for two hours every morning. Um, and I knew... By hook or by crook? By crook, by, by crook. That's yeah. right, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, I knew roughly what I wanted to do. So that the type of book I wanted to create, the style that it would be, the mood. So I wanted something that was quite dreamy and eerie in a picnic and hanging rock kind of way. Um and I knew that I wanted it to be a, an unsolved mystery in the sense that in the Van Apfel Girls Are Gone, these three sisters, Hannah Cordelia and Ruth Van Apfel, all disappear from the school's outdoor concert by the river. Uh, and it's a very ordinary suburb, a bush suburb, and these three sisters vanish. And the story really focuses on the community and how they respond. How do they deal with this disappearance and how do they respond over time? How do they learn to live with not knowing what happened to these three girls? And, so that's and that happens. It does, sadly.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it does. does. happen. People disappear forever. That's right. Look at all the cold yeah. case podcasts yeah. there are now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, and so t- two hours a morning um, and at the end of it you came to what you thought was something that you were happy with, right? And then how do you take it from there? Uh, so
2: I was in a fortunate position that I had Built up quite a few contacts in publishing over the years that I've been, been writing. writing. Yeah. Um, so I took my manuscript and I took it to my first pick of agents and my first pick of publishers, and was very fortunate that it got picked up by both at the same time. Um, so things happened from there, and since then it's been a very surreal experience.
0: Really, doing. How did you find the editorial process? I love being edited. I think editors are... Really, it's it's what makes a book, I think. You know, you read a pre-edited book that I do occasionally. Yes. And then you read a book that's been properly edited and you think, wow, you know. They're so
2: clever, aren't they? They are so clever. It's such a skill to be able to edit. Absolutely. And to see, not necessarily to know what needs to be changed, but to be able to just pinpoint the things that don't
0: work. Yeah. And it's really like taking a bird's eye view over your work, isn't it? Yes. Is that how you saw it? Yes, yeah, yes. And just they've... pulling up and sitting above and then just making that puzzle work. That's right. Yeah, Yeah. and they've got the
2: perspective. But it's a real talent to be able to look at things at a sentence level and also, as you say, the real bird's eye level and say, as a whole, this
0: doesn't work here. Yeah, yeah. Very clever. It is so clever. Editors are very clever. It is so clever. And I do meet people, um, not often published authors, but people who are aspiring writers that just won't be published, uh, won't be edited, sorry. And I just – I think, wow, that's – you're never going to make it then because that work needs to pull away from that subjective approach, doesn't it? Yes. You know, the subjective writing. Yes. And be, you know, given that overall kind of um, perspective. Yeah, I I love it when someone takes to my work
2: with a red pen because they see things that you – I mean – just the fact you've been looking at this thing for months or years on end, yeah, they have a, a whole new fresh perspective on it. Yeah, and how long did it take you? Do you know, it's probably been three years since that event with Brian Brown until now and the book's out now. So yeah, yeah it's been three years from go to woe. Wow. And is this the first of many? Uh, it's the first of two at least because I've signed a two book contract with HarperCollins. Mm. Uh, yes, so... There is another book in the pipeline, although at the moment um, mostly I'm doing things like this, talking about The Bannet for Girls Are Gone around, um, because it's just come out in Australia. And then in July I'm off to the States to do the same thing because it's coming out in the States. Congratulations. Thank so you've sold you.
0: US rights
2: already. And yeah, it's coming out in the UK and the US in July and then it's being translated into French and Spanish. Wow. Which will wow. be That's fantastic. It would be funny to read about these things in different do you know what I mean? Like I I feel like it's such an Australian story, but there's obviously something that I know one of the publishers in France said, Oh, this this is a small town story. This is a story about communities and about female friendships, and that is not that's that yeah, that's not strictly an
0: Australian that's thing. That's right. It's just the landscape. But we read, you know, I mean American crime stories set in LA, you exactly. know. Exactly. It's just about the story. Um it's really interesting to me and I you know that almost every Australian author and debut like yourself are selling world rights at the moment. It's it's you know if the book sells here if they, and we don't even know it's what how many days of yeah it's a week week old. <laughs> week old and it's selling internationally already that's just such a great story isn't it australian fiction in particular seems to be having a bit of a moment doesn't, doesn't it? it they're it's... interested in our stories which is yeah. lovely but you know what i think that is they are interested in our stories but we're telling good stories Yes. We yeah. really are. You're telling a good story. Well, there's a lot of
2: good Australian books out there at the moment that are yeah. being recognised overseas. Look how, you know, Jane Harper's success. Absolutely. And these people are doing amazing things. And I think things. success breeds success,
0: but either way, it has to be a good story.
2: I have had some very funny interactions with my American publishers, though, about our language.
0: Yeah.
2: I, a very long, very long and detailed email chain about the use of the word dunny. <laughs> yes. And what exactly is it? Do we mean by Dunny? Yes. Is this an outhouse of some kind? Yeah. And there were pictures attached and all sorts to yeah. really.
0: Yeah, it's different language, isn't it? It is.
2: There, was, there were several that tripped them up. They didn't know uh, what I meant by Arvo, Yes. or by Chook. Chook. Mum went up yeah. the shops
0: to buy a Chook for dinner. Or adding an IE Bracky to things. Yeah. I mean, there's so much. I often think translators too. I mean, do but a yes, brilliant unsung job. heroes, aren't they? Yeah. Because it really isn't about trans- just translating the language it's about setting the tone you know keeping the integrity of the book the integrity of the story that's right and capturing that in yes. a different language yes I mean that's difficult yeah but anyway you've done it it's called the van at girls are gone uh, it's Felicity McLean thank you so much for talking to us today thank you for having me